Welcome to the Watch Along Guide for Progressively Horrified, episode number 70. Here's some things you might want to know before you watch the movie or listen to the episode. This week we are talking about the short film Hairwolf. It is written and directed by Miriama Diallo. Our hosts rank this as spoopy, meaning it's not particularly scary. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include racism, cultural appropriation, and racial microaggressions. After the music, we will talk about the movie in full, so expect spoilers. And, while you're here, if you can stop by our Patreon at progressivelyhorrified.patreon.com, you'll get extra episodes, all episodes a week early, and most importantly, you'll get to help us keep the lights on. We'd really appreciate it. Now, let's get to the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Now, early on when we were planning for this month, I wanted to steal this podcast from Jeremy, so I decided to wait, bide my time, lay low. Until such time as he was drinking water, and then I pounced. Well, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? We are talking about horror from Black women directors. Yes. What about that? That's it. I'll let you take over. I I can't really see that far. So yeah. So we wanted to do. We wanted to talk about uh, movies with Black women directors. Uh, Unfortunately, we've talked about a few, and there aren't too. There aren't enough that we could find to fill the whole month with. There aren't enough feature length. Yes, there aren't enough feature-length ones for us to fill the whole month. So we decided to pick up some uh, short films, which we don't usually talk about too many short films. This gave us a chance to explore some of that stuff. We're going to have a short film that we talk about every Monday, in addition to our uh, regular Friday shows. So on that note, I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. Uh, She already jumped in and sold the podcast, so directly next to me is uh, my wife, Alicia Whitley. Hi there. And of course, with us, we have our uh, co-hosts. First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all of your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? I think uh, short horror films should be officially called Bite Size. Very good. I'm into it. That's good. That's good. Gonna start the petition. (laughs) And we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media. It's co-host and comics artist, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm... uh... Whew, I'm feeling the whole spectrum of horror here. Every every angle in these four films. Yes, yeah, it's good. Yes, and and uh, our friend, English and literature educator and friend of the show, Emmanuel Lipscomb. Emmanuel, how are you? I'm super excited. I love spooky stuff and I have a short attention span. So this is sweet spot <laughs> for me. <laughs> nice. And finally, our good friend, writer and activist, Jay Joseph Jr. Jay, how are you? I'm good. I uh, I spent five years studying short films, escaped that world, only to have Ben drag me back into the world of short films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Never let you go. So tonight, our first entry in this is we're going to be talking about Hairwolf by Mariama Diallo. Uh, she is the writer and director. It stars Carrie Young, uh, Talia Webster, and Madeline Weinstein. Uh, IMDb says the staff of a black hair salon fend off a strange new monster, white women intent on sucking the lifeblood from black culture. Uh, And guys, this is easily the most fun of the ones we'll be talking about this month. 
what did everybody think about this? Alicia, I'm sure you have uh, some particular thoughts on I this. I have so many thoughts, but I'm going to let everyone else speak first. Um, yeah, I'm going to sit back for a second as a person with black woman hair. I'm All just right. going to chill for a second, see what everyone else has to say, and then and then tell them why they're wrong. Exactly. She's okay. going to judge us. It's what yeah. she's saying. Uh, I loved it. I am not a black woman. I am black. My mom and grandmas are black, if that helps. <laughs> it helps. And it, I loved it so much. I just have all these notes about the quotes and about all the touchstones and just the humor. It works so well. Like every single joke lands. It's, it's great. Yes. Uh, I am a person of eastern european jewish descent gender shrug but yeah i i loved it i thought it was so fun a better bad hair than bad hair so confident in its like tone and its comedy and its voice and man was this just so i thought this was uh delightful and this is a fantastic fantastic short and it is delightful to watch of all the ones that we talked about, this is probably the most, I should say the least serious in tone, but I, I winced so many times more in this one than I did with any of the other ones. The <laughs> all lives matter line. Fucking oh my hell. God. I felt like I was, <laughs> I was the air rushed out of my feel, lungs. <laughs> yeah. Like the, um, you know, and I am, I am a very, like, I have, my my skin tone comes from England and Sweden, so just as, you know, as white as it gets. What what pantone I, would that be? Egg crew, eggshell, egg egg crew, probably egg, egg crew. Oh, I, said, I thought you said egg, egg crew. crew. I thought there's a were... bit of blue in there. <laughs> okay, so I might be like there might be some titanium, but it's not that strong because this is definitely not opaque. There's an map of Stockholm. <laughs> All right, uh, um, Jay, what were your thoughts <laughs> on it? Uh, I think it's easily the uh, best of the four short horror films that we watched. It's like kind of most uh, technically sound. It's the, it's the only one of all of them that feels like an actual short film. I feel like a lot of them were pitches for longer movies, but this one had a lot of focus. It knew what it wanted to be. It had a, a relatively complete story and it's very, very well made. So I, I basically agree with the podcast here. It's, it's I think there's no contest in terms yeah. of that. I don't think you're wrong as far as like the other ones being, you know, maybe pitches for, for longer films. I, I feel like this, this one doesn't work as a longer film. I think as a short film, it comes in, it's snappy, it gets to the point. It's basically microaggressions, the movie, um, <laughs> like, and it, it, every, every line hits, so every gonna, line just feels punched up. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I don't think you said it doesn't work as a longer film. I think that it doesn't need to be a longer film. Oh, no, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, like, form-wise, yeah. this is yes. ideally a short film. Yes. This, yes. this film, at the length it is, it is polished to a mirror sheen, like, not a an moment. Sheen. In, an sheen? Yeah. <laughs> like, not a moment is wasted. Like, this is one area where you can't make it longer without making it less either focused or just totally sharp the rest like yeah sure you can make it deeper more atmospheric add plot yeah. yeah this one it's like no i don't want it to be an hour like you need like this one is just so but like every line is just so razor sharp it's like so, i don't know if you could stretch that for like 90 minutes i'm just wondering yeah. like what in particular stood out like amongst the lines because there was a lot in there that i felt like spoke directly to me like this yeah, movie is feeling. for 
is for me. Somebody made yeah. it and they, yeah. they knew my sense of humor. They knew where I was coming from. They knew what I'd been angry about for the past, you know, five years Forever. or so. <laughs> I well, like, it's such years. a mix of cultural illusions. It's just like, yeah, that's a part of just black experience. And yeah. then just what was the first absolutely. one that like, where did it get you? I'm gonna tell you where it got me. So I own my Nubian King right here. Like it, just, <laughs> <laughs> it, just, I, it I, destroyed me, but like, I did enjoy it, him like correcting her about the hood. He was so good. He was like great value. Andre 3000. Like he just like had like half his oh, hair braided. No. <laughs> oh, great value. Oh no. But, like, oh, but so like, it's all those cultural touchstones, but then there's just these outlandish jokes like he goes the penis fly trap and i like spat out my drink (laughs) the one that got me both both times we've watched this is the the white girls banging on the window going braids instead of just oh it's so good man it's 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 not a joke i saw coming so there is the thing that first snatched me was when she said when she said jar of blue magic. I don't know if you all know what jar, what blue magic is or what blue magic smells like, but she said jar of blue magic. And I had a visceral memory <laughs> of blue magic. So it's this, it's a hair dressing, I suppose is the mm-hmm. proper way to put it. And it's unnaturally blue because it's made of petroleum products. I assume, you know what I'm before I smear blue magic i should probably look up what's actually in it but i'm pretty sure it's like just vaseline um and someone can correct me on that if i'm wrong so she said that this white girl said to her will you lay my edges and i think that the important thing that she says is that she wasn't maury white she was like white white because we all know what maury white means it means catch me outside how about that like i know that that girl was on dr phil but that's what Maury Way means. I think the fact that she had Oakland booty in her bag, like Why? this white girl literally had an LA face with the Oakland booty, I suppose is the joke that we're going for. <laughs> uh, but yeah. she had these butt cheek uh, or these, these butt fillers that he called Oakland booty. Like it was some sort of, I don't yeah, know, under, yeah, like there under so many underground drugs. Little acting moments that got me. Like the gasp when he sees the selfie stick, the way the one here's like, is that a baton, police baton nunchuck? (laughs) But I think the thing that really let me know that I was at home in this film, that I was going to not only laugh at myself, but also laugh with the film and also laugh at culture was when the white girl said, she says braids really slowly like a zombie. And then goes, yeah, like, do you do braids? Do you do boxer braids is what she said. Are you familiar with the boxer braids scandal? Love it so much. Yes. It's so good. Nope. We should, we should talk about it because we should talk about it. Explanatory ignorance. (laughs) Man, you want to do uh you want to do the boxer braids explanatory comma? Uh, you know, I mean, essentially it's Columbusing, right? The idea that, oh, I've discovered this cute new look that like female boxers wear when they're in the ring it's like you're describing braids that people have worn for centuries if not millennia essentially you're describing large cornrows so ronda rousey who i think her 
grandfather is black or maybe her great-grandfather is black i can't remember. did not know that completely yeah shocked. he's like a, she's maury white she's <laughs> no, Rhonda. if you're out there and you're listening you girl you are not maury white you are who you are and i am not trying to get my ass beat by Rhonda rousey you know <laughs> that you cannot take her on the street jeremy so please. No, exactly. That's the thing. Ronda Rousey won't even wait to leave the target before throwing hands. <laughs> she will take you, you out right. She will take you out right there not in the, the target. target. Not the target. Ben, what am I going to do with it? Oh, we're talking um, about the store. Yes. Not just the target <laughs> yes. acquired. Yes. In, in the big box store target. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. So Ronda Rousey would wear like, you know, the two big corners essentially. Um, and for those of you who are unfamiliar, cornrows are basically like inverse French braids. So with a French braid, you braid in, with a cornrow, you braid out. And you know, it's close to the head, it's a plait that goes down. So she wore these two big boxer braid, boxer braids, these two big cornrows. And Kim Kardashian wore them, and then it got caught on. And then like news outlets were running with, um, and fashion magazines were running with these stories about boxer braids being the new trend. And black women everywhere said, these are just cornrows, which literally we were told that we could get fired from our job for wearing. And yeah. now all of a sudden it's, you go and do the trend to quote Lauren Hill. So you go and do the trend and now it's cute. The same thing happened with mini buns. Mini buns were, um, oh, who was it? I think yes. it's Mark Jacobs. Okay. So he's the designer. The fashion man. Well, shout the- out to Mark. Like somebody, okay. it, it doesn't like really matter. It doesn't really matter. Like, so he had this fashion show <laughs> where he had the models wearing what were called mini buns or what he called mini buns, which were essentially bantu knots. And if, again, if you're not familiar with bantu knots, essentially they are tiny little knots that you put in various patterns, you know, really cute, nice little do. But a lot of my childhood and early adulthood was spent with hearing people pick on this particular hairstyle as looking particularly exotic or particularly unattractive. And so to then have somebody rebrand it as, oh, it's mini buns. Um, And it's mini buns when these then white models are wearing it down the runway. But when larger black women are- Donuts, right? Yeah, in general, if if someone told me, check out these mini buns and they then didn't present me with something full of cinnamon and frosting. I just I want you just both to so know I am, I am giving you a slow look of disappointment. Okay, I'm, we're talking about cultural I'm, pain. I'm used to it. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, if somebody else wants to jump in, I've, I feel like I've talked at length here, um, but I do have more. No, I mean, it's, I think it's exactly what you're saying. Like it's the, this person knows about the culture, like asking to lay your edges, but then is calling them boxer braids, thereby showing that this is an outsider looking in perspective. You know what it reminds me of? Not to pile onto this poor young woman anymore. There's a young woman on the internet who was doing her makeup and she was talking about contouring her face And she was like, and you know, I put some contouring here and here because chili, my nose is fat AF. And she said, chili, C-H-I-L-E, because she had only read the word chow, read, like she had only read the word as written online by black women. So, you know, we'd be like, child is, child at, child please, child, what you doing? I think when we watched Blackula the other day, Bobby says, oh, child, no. Like, yeah. 
several times. It's actually pronounced Chat- Uchilino. <laughs> yeah, and so Chile. she was said, Chile. Chile. And so the internet was like all on top of this. And she was like, honestly, I really thought. And all of a sudden she did an Aquafina. Like she went from Aquafina to Nora. Like she went from like, yeah, this is my accent. This is how I really talk. She went from Maury white, or she might've been Maury Asian to, <laughs> to white white. And she was like, actually, I didn't know um, how it was pronounced. That's what my friend, we, we call each other Chile because we thought that's what people were saying. And I was like, so you really thought black women were out here just calling each other the country, like, oh, Argentina. Like, let me tell you, you know? Argentina Turner. <laughs> okay, so like, that could be a D&D character. I'm not mad at that. Like, <laughs> Shit, that one, that one. I mean, and again, I, I, I'll be the first to admit, man, there's so much that you could fill up so many libraries of all this shit I don't know jack shit about. But, but what I really I, like is that you didn't have to know that they were doing it wrong to feel the wrongness of what was being done. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't know about Blue Magic. You didn't really know what Lay Edges was. You didn't really know what Boxer Braids were. But you knew that this was off. Like, I think that's what the movie does really well, is that it kind of can introduce you to this world. And it doesn't, ha- you don't have to be steeped in it to understand what is happening, that the cultural appropriation is, it's Columbusing hard. I feel yeah. like it did some, like, it reminded me of some, like, some of the best comedies, like, really top, like, really just top quality um, comedy or humor or even just horror, where it's, even when I didn't fully understand the joke, it's just so well constructed and delivered that yeah. even if I don't fully understand why it's funny, I still know it's really fucking funny. Yeah. And the, I, the I, drama disturb, or disturbing. Oh, please, or, Jay, go. Yeah, I, I think I think that um, a lot of that, you know, I, I have a theory about horror that says in order to make a good, um, like a really good horror movie, and I feel this is why here, well, like it doesn't just work as a comedy, it works as a horror movie as well. Um, it needs to have these kind of like identifiable elements and, uh, and this fear that's actually kind of palpable. And um, some of the other shorts we'll talk about, I, I feel like they were like too generalized or playing off movies we've seen before. But in terms of this idea of cultural, you know, appropriation, something that, you know, we struggled with, um, you know, as uh, Black Americans and really any, any Black culture in the Western world, with that for, you know, we're talking 200, 300 years. And each time we kind of like uh, 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 capture a movement uh, that's our own, whether it's like jazz or Black is Beautiful or hip hop or something, it's 10 years down the line when like a white artist comes along and, you know, kind of takes that over and, you know, they'll sell more records. Eminem is very like astute about that, right? He's like, you know, uh, in his lyrics, he'll say, if I was Black, I would have sold half. Um, but not everyone has that awareness. And then you yeah. have, uh, you know, some of these other artists that go out there and they're like, oh, no, I'm I'm the pioneer, as we were talking about, you know, yeah. with Ronda Rousey. Um, I, I, I avoid, I got to tell you, I avoid articles about uh, Miley Cyrus to this day. Uh, you know, I saw her this morning because uh, <laughs> I, you know, she. it felt like to me she used you know, black culture as a stepping stone to get where she wanted to go. And as soon as Absolutely. she was done with it, you know, she threw um, uh, black, black folk under the bus. And um, to me, that's kind of a peak example of how this cultural appropriation goes down. So I, while it is, while it is 
comedic, while it is very funny, I think that's a very real thing that we kind of grapple with. And I think that's what makes it so kind of amusing. I think that's, that w- that's what makes it, um, when you see the lead's friends, uh, Carrie Young is her name, I forget her character's name. Um, but when you see uh, Carol's friends kind of like be whitewashed by the singular character and these uh, white people come in and and uh, kind of take over the neighborhood, I think it's especially poignant because it's uh, Crown Heights and all the gentrification you have going on in New York City. And, you know, you have uh, uh, these young, affluent white people coming in from all corners of the United States and pushing out the black families and that used to be there and, uh, you know, literally kind of wiping out the culture overnight. Uh, and that is a very real, I, I, I think, uh, uh, kind of shock that we've had to deal with in a very real kind of uh, trauma. And it's nice that this film helps us laugh at it, but it's also tapping into something really raw there. Yeah, Jay, I wanted to touch on kind of totally. the way that you talked about that cultural appropriation, not just being the gentrification, but also like down to taking the words that we use, you know, using them popping back up 10 years later and now all of a sudden it's a thing. I remember like now that woke is a thing or <laughs> there are a lot of things that like we were saying a long time ago and we were doing a long time ago and now all of a sudden it's a thing because white people found out about it. But she turns to, um, it's I the, cannot. It's the me for me. Yes, she's using Bay. Yes, when she uses Bay, and I just had a yes. I was like, she stole Bay before she stole Bay. Like, I (laughs) was just having a conversation with a friend who said, um, who was looking for alternatives to the words boyfriend and girlfriend for his son to use, and I was throwing out some, and I said, Bay, Boo, and. He said something to the effect of, I'm not young enough to use the word bae or boo. And I was like, okay, see what you don't understand. Like I flipped on it. I was like, see what you don't understand. Okay. Is we've been calling people bae and boo and baby boo for like long time, like a long time. So just because people now, chili, just because people now have heard <laughs> us say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, and so it's it's that kind of a little bit of that frustration. I also thought it was interesting that natural hair movement that I think, okay, so I have dreads. Um, I remember I like, I shaved my hair, I grew dreads and I was like, I'm never going back and no one's ever going back. Natural hair will live forever. And, you know, I should have known after the eighties happened, like I should have realized that it's a phase. Um, <laughs> it's, it's cyclical, just like all of fashion. But going hmm. from <laughs> the Lauren Hills and the Erica Badu's, like all like ultra black, ultra Afrocentric, ultra neo soul, the Jill Scotts, moving towards the hot girl summerness. That <laughs> I love Meg. I love Megan the Stallion. I don't even. I don't even hate Doja Cat that much. I don't mind that much. You know, <laughs> I really will enjoy a Cardi B. So the fakeness being like what we're into now, you know, we're going to wear neon colored straight wigs. Everyone knows it's fake. It's not a secret that it's, it's not a secret that it's a wig or weave like it was back in the nineties, back in Oprah's day. Um, But when she comes out with that blonde hair and essentially what she says is like, you know what, we're going to give her these braids because she's going to pay money for it. It's 
a perspective that I've heard. Like we don't care that it's the commodification of of culture, you know. So on the one hand, we it got might be this, appropriative, but you're not yeah, being attacked. But I, but yeah. yeah, you know, on the one hand, we have like Brother Hotep over here who's like, you know, like. <laughs> But she said, I didn't convert to the nation of Islam for this. God, that was Are so you good. for this? <laughs> so good. Are you serious? No. She's a whole pig. Like <laughs> I, that killed me. That killed me. So that was really the good. Accents also, it's like the accent, the accent, two she... or three different like dialects that they're speaking. And her accent is so good for her dialogue. Slayed me. Like, Are you serious? <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm just um you know we there are some people who feel like this is our culture and we must protect it and our gatekeepers even amongst ourselves and our own within our own community like you can be a part of our community you're not black enough so you can't be a part of our community and then there are others of us who are like I don't hear like whoever went let white kids say the n-word it doesn't really bother me let you know anybody can come in as long as they're like paying for it yes (laughs) um so yeah i thought that was funny when brother hotep turned to brother yeah i'm not sure i'm just would i like would i would i enforce attacks for people to say the end yes yeah like i understand putting a monetary value to a haircut at a salon I'm not sure what I the financial like penalty civil for using the are spinning in their grades. I'm like, if there were like a Venmo setup or like a Patreon where like you can send me your inward tax as a form of like micro reparations. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what the problem with this is that this is going to turn into some like, I don't know, weird ass carbon credit shit where people are like, ooh, I just donated $200. Listen, now I can ben, say right? the N word so much. I am not getting yeah. into N word FTs. Like, it's absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> title, title of the episode. Boom, title of the episode. And, and honestly, $200 would not buy you one. Like, it's, it's, yeah, you know, if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, I, going back to something Jay said, I think part of the reason that this works as as horror cut this. Part of the reason this works as horror, I think, for me too, is just that like I think good horror has like a visceral, guttural effect to it. Like it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And there's definitely like things that happen in this that even even as a white guy who has just like been around people like microaggressing, not just you, but sort of like. I very distinctly remember a point in high school where like a, you know, white blonde girl who was tanned to death, like came up to one of my friends and was just like, oh, I'm darker than you. And it's just like, like but you're even, not though. Like even at that point, it was just like, no, stop. Um, and there's, there's so many things in this that like, she says something and you like, even like, as it was going, I was watching some of, some of you guys and it was just like, you have this reaction just like pulling away from the tv like oh no i felt you like <laughs> you like pull like you almost fell out when bay turns around and then says all lives matter right <laughs> but like that, that, that that line was brilliant that i mean the delivery on on that i that told me i was like was that so having on the floor the all lives matter line it was so all good. the Especially actors in this did to... such a good job yeah well and like delivering the most absurd lines but with just like dead pan gravity of you know all lives matter obviously like it it feels like the uh people in get out where it's like yes. this should yeah. be absurd uh, but yes. your delivery is so spot on yeah like 
the heebie-jeebies and like the indignation he puts into that line so good um like as i was gonna say jeremy and i have both had to have conversations with people in our lives about what what is wrong with saying all lives matter and like to (laughs) to have him say it just felt like the ultimate and final betrayal like it's over he's done he's gone he's with them now you just have to let him go sis save yourself And the, the okay. horror, the, the, like the horror drama tropes that are used here are so effective. I mean, you have this music, you have the, you have the, uh, the, the dramatic lighting, the slow the zoom, thriller laugh, the jump scare, like they're oh like, God. it's all there. The thriller yeah. laugh at the end is so good. It's but before so good, the thriller laugh. Scene- where she, where um, white, white girl goes for like Count Becula. Uh, <laughs> That's a good line like, too. That yeah, yeah, yeah. line is oh. And she like slowly reaches for her hair, and I was like, oh fuck, you know, <laughs> this is someone. This is coming from somebody who's you know clear, but like <laughs> we had a, not in the Scientology way. Fuck that. <laughs> we had a bit um, of a recurring theme in a couple of the short films we watched of green eyes equaling evil. And I don't know what to make of that, but it was noticeable that we got two instances where green eyes were very explicitly <laughs> linked to like evil. I, you know, I, I, I think, um, I, I, I think, I think with like the green eyes and the straight hair, I, I think a lot of that is is kind of rooted in uh, in Black American culture from like the nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies. So uh, something about me, really quick, that I. Only one person on this podcast knows, but my my dad is a member of the uh, Panther 21, the New York Black Panther Party. And my mom was one of the first black supermodels like in history. Uh, she was on the cover of 17 Magazine, Teen Vogue, all that. And uh, my, mom's thing, my mom's whole thing was that she would wear her natural hair. She wouldn't let any hairstylist touch her hair. They had like one famous stylist do her hair once they kind of ruined it uh, uh, uh it was all patchy and so from that point forward she always hired her own stylist for her photo shoots but they grew up in an environment where um you know they they were kind of like at the forefront of black is beautiful and all that but they grew up in an environment where it was more valuable to kind of have white traits and the less black you look the more valuable as a person you kind of wore now um there's kind of this trope on, I feel like on social media, Twitter and all that, that, you know, uh, uh, you can't draw black characters like lighter eye colors, uh, even though, you know, they do naturally occur in black communities. I, I have like a cousin who has green eyes, um, but all, all that, all that's kind of like seeded back into this time when it's like, you know, um, I need to look whiter, you know, you need to get someone that has straighter curlier hair because that looks whiter someone with lighter skin because that looks whiter someone with light eyes you know um and i i I think i i I personally feel that might be what it's tied to i'm going out on a little bit of a limb there but those those are really kind of um i think pervasive and i i i think it's it's kind of decoupled from the generations that we've gone on because we haven't had that direct experience, but as kind of like the oldest sibling in my family and, and knowing what my parents have been through, uh, I'm very familiar with them kind of growing up with that environment and attitude. Look, look up, look up uh, Joyce Walker. Yo, imagine <laughs> being like, Google my mom. 
she's a model that's what she grew up here she had very happy hair she oh, had she her. had dark skin we so they were like you know right now. um sometimes lighter skinned women can can are not criticized as much for having it's like when she talked about her curl batter being a 3b it's like um it's all well and good to have like curly hair but not too nappy like so sometimes it feels like the natural hair movement is not for y'all for c people you know it's for people who have passable curls yeah it's for your beyonce's yeah i think roxanne gay said something similar about being fat and like the fat acceptance movement how like there was an acceptable limit of like oh yes we're gonna celebrate all fat women up to a certain point and then yeah you know it's I feel like it's often the same with blackness. Uh, that Seventeen magazine cover was gorgeous. Jay, your mom is kind of awesome. Oh my God. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure your dad is awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> it's awkward. We're we're all like, yeah, your mom. Really we're beautiful. all looking up your mom like pictures. Of your mom. <laughs> <laughs> you seen your mom? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Also, I did laugh very hard at that hockey joke about how like they think they're slick keeping hockey cold. Uh, yeah, that was that was, really that was hilarious because you will not catch me at a Canes game, like a Hurricanes game. The whole speech where the main character was kind of getting through and saving her best friend was amazing. Yeah, it's yes. so sisterly. Until we turn around and find out that she's also the monster as well. Hot <laughs> twist. Yeah. She went viral. Yeah, she says that line about cutting good hair. And, oh, no. Can't cut that good hair. <laughs> Which, like, again, we talked about, like, one of the things we talked a lot about bad hair was it having no idea what its tone was. God, if this, if this just isn't so laser focused and confident in what its tone is. Yeah. Do you think that White girl got her, or the call was coming from inside of the house all along. Ooh. I think the white girl got her. I mean, she did I grab she, a chunk yeah, of her just... hair at the beginning of the story. We find that. Yeah. Out. See, I was thinking about it, but then she shows up at the like store. Yeah. Like, See, I was her. thinking about like you know some of my relatives who made comments about, oh, your daughters are gonna be mixed. They're gonna have that good hair, like you know. And it's like the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. you should not be saying these things see when you said when you said do you think that and i my thought was you were going to say do you think that's because this was written and directed by a black woman as compared to bad hair which was not oh it wasn't written mm-hmm. and directed yeah. by a black man it was oh, okay. i talked about that yeah. i think it absolutely yeah. has an impact yeah Especially the them saving each other. Who was doing it? Who's doing it all by himself? And when being interviewed about it, had a very like Tyler Perry stance about like this is my thing, and I really wanted to do this for my mother and sisters. And speaking like, of colorism, yeah. And then you can like feel just like how much he doesn't get or know as you know as a man trying to address this conversation about women in this this industry and culture. Uh, it's like it well, you, it would have really benefited you to have a co-writer or co-director or something yeah something like that. consultant at least yeah uh do we have anything we else we wanted to say about Hairwolf before we transition so she has that one line where she takes the selfie and she says strike a pose is that a madonna reference like probably 
Because I didn't, I couldn't yeah. tell if this was like oh. way too galaxy brain of like, oh, that's a Madonna line. And Madonna, she co-opted like ballroom culture with her song, like Vogue. Yeah. Like, Vogue. I mean, just... <laughs> yeah, isn't to, that a line from be, Vogue? Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. quoting Striker Vogue Vogue's. feels a little too much to be a coincidence. That's like, yeah. of all the Madonna songs, it is Vogue. Like, come on. And like, then she, we all know yeah, but that was right after from. she took a piece of this woman screamed at it at first she's horrified oh this, you know and then she's like oh wait it's your hair and then she puts this piece of this woman on herself to take a as picture a mustache with. this yes which is as like, a little and like uh it looks a little it looks a little hitlerian to me the way oh, she was this, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good job of just making my skin crawl yeah this was this was definitely the most like the 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 like of all the horror imagery in these i was like my shoulders were coming up to my ears with this one. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, Count Becula did a good job, too. I mean, she, oh, yeah. was, she was horrified. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she had, had this great, like, Rose McGowan from Scream situation. <laughs> but it's, it's, it, it's always great when you see a movie like this and there's, there's a white person playing a white character that, like, clearly the actor gets it. The sort mm-hmm. of... I mean, this is a dangerous comparison to make, but the kind of Michael Rappaport's of like, oh, no. he's great at playing <laughs> no. the bad white guy in the black movie. Jamie, are you, do you, are you ever worried about being <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, aren't we all? <laughs> I'm not. Nah, I've never had that concern. I've never, I've never. <laughs> You've never been concerned about being a Michael Rappaport? No. A Michelle Rappaport? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've what definitely been worried about be being Michael Count Rappaport? Becula. Michael, Michael Rappaport, Rappaport is a person that like considers no, I, like, himself down. Do you know with, who like, Michael Rappaport is? I, like, I know, like, yeah, like I know, like the comedian stuff like that. But have like, you seen like his oeuvre? It's have mostly just being I mostly... so down with black culture that you feel like that gives you authority. Oh, too comfortable. He, he gets I a mostly... little too comfy. I mostly just know from Deep Blue Sea and that video where he's he's too comfortable. No, he's too comfortable. Oh, no, I don't. I feel like it starts as, it started as one and has become the other, I think. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to engage in a great deal of Michael Rappaport slander, but like, you know. And this is called Rapping About Rappaport. Michael Rappaport, name a time and place. I challenge you to a slap fight. I don't. (laughs) Unless Ronda Rousey is protecting. I'm not going to lie. I find her attractive. So that's why you can't talk too much crap about her. I mean, I I very much think that crap about Ronda Rousey, but I won't. I don't hate her <laughs> as Sonia Blade as the voice actor for Sonia Blade as much as mo- the mo- yeah, as much as most of the Mortal Kombat fandom does. So I will give her credit. I think she's was there an underrated. Was there a Sonya scandal Blade. with Ronda Rousey? Did oh, yeah. she do something? She's like, was she a turf? Um, I think there were some anti-trans comments. If I remember, yeah, I, I, feel I think like it was not specifically comments. like it wasn't like J.K. Rowling going out of her way to make turf comments, but like right. people asking her about you know trans women in in ufc and stuff like that um which that's a fine line um i think there's also like she was being like she was saying wild things but also literally working as a wrestling heel so i kind of just like fade in the background of like is she just doing this because it's literally her job to like anger people like for entertainment and then i think Gina Carano happened, and then that just obliterated all my uh, memories of like anything Ronda right. Rousey. Oh, had yeah, done. for real. Yeah. Coincidence. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I think I think it's safe to say we all recommend people check this one out, right? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! It is, yeah. you know, it is spooky, spooky, and existentially terrifying yeah. all at the same time. Yes. I wish it were on yes. Criterion so I could show it to more people. Like it's it is that good. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's difficult to find right now. When we first saw it last year, it was on HBO Max. Uh, now it's on Criterion Collection and uh, Canopy, which is a free service. If your library engages in it, you have like a local library. Wake County does not. <laughs> yeah, ours, ours has I, other I, stuff, but not Canopy. I, 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 tr- I tried um, walking into Canopy with my um, ID and I still couldn't access it. So it also has to be associated with the library. Right. It's really weird. So Criterion, yeah. Criterion is how I, how, I, yeah. how I saw it. So, so yeah, so if, if, you can, if you can, absolutely check it out. Uh, we highly recommend it. It's very sharp, very funny, and it's only about 12 minutes. So uh, it's, it's quicker to watch than it took you to listen to this podcast, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted, like, there's a part of me that wants to teach it. I sometimes teach cultural media literacy, and Ooh. I think this is one that my kids would easily get and would generate oh a lot my of discussions. Yeah. And yeah. I think penis flytrap is probably the most uh, <laughs> gay comment that was made, right? I don't think that there's what? a, oh, yeah. uh, Angela Bassett bitch. Like, you hear worse in the hallways. Yeah. I would what, what grade level do you teach? These, these kids learn to read from YouTube comments. Like, they, Which, they've seen shit. Chili. What were you saying, Emily? Oh, uh, what grade <laughs> level? I typically teach ninth graders in 11th grade, but Wake County has a cultural media literacy course that's, it's basically film as literature or analyzing like non-print media as literature. And it's open to, I think, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Uh, that's so awesome. It's a really cool class. Yeah. Because I mean, um, we already have two people who teach that class at our school. I am teaching African-American literature. No, no, you like both of them. No, I'm teaching African-American literature and uh, the young adult novel. Trends in young adult uh, literature. So that's awesome. Yeah, I get if to we're, if we're, have fun there. If we're uh, plugging education, I'd like to build in. I do actually teach screenwriting and I, I do teach short film writing. We have a workshop in Harlem that we usually do in association with the Columbia University. It's the Harlem Writers Lab. It's free. Uh, we do it every summer. Uh, we had to move to Zoom, you know, because of what's going on in the world. But um, uh, we do teach short films and you know if i if if i were teaching a class and if i got in touch with the filmmakers of Pear wolf i would definitely teach from that because it, it's it's a true short film it sets up the stakes immediately it's very focused on what it wants to do the ending is clear it has a clear arc you know it's just like it's not overreaching to do too much uh it's it's really kind of like perfect in that way and um uh, unfortunately, I don't have as nice things to say about the rest of the short films. If uh, if those if the rest of them were Bosnian class, I'd probably say this needs a little bit more work to see me after class. But that one was great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'll leave I'll leave uh, you know contact details all that at the end of the podcast. And if you want to talk about boxer braids, uh, just uh, tweet at J R O M E five eight. No, don't tweet me about boxer braids. <laughs> They'll do it. He's become an expert. They'll do it. <laughs> Tweet me about mini buns, but only if <laughs> I know how to do mini buns. <sighs> yeah, you get the little biscuit, like the Pillsbury. And- yeah, I've got a pan for it. Mm, yeah. Buns. Mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yes, everybody go check that movie out. Uh, and we will see you again here next week.
Aggressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, Alicia Whitley, Emmanuel Lipscomb, and Jay Joseph. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or the, or the opinions of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thank you.